Welcome to episode number 188 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping passion-led online entrepreneurs and business owners learn how to use social media as a tool to grow your business. I'm your host, Andrea Jones, and I'm fiercely committed to helping you understand both the how and the why of social media marketing so that you can create connection, build your community, and make your difference in the world. This show is brought to you by Syndable, which is the all-in-one social media management tool that my agency uses both for scheduling and analyzing all of our social media results. You can try them out for yourself for free by going to onlinedrea.com slash Syndable. And I'll put that link and any links that we talk about today in our show notes, which you can find at onlinedrea.com slash 188. Now I'm super excited about today's guest. When he pitched me on being on the show, it was very topical conversation, which we'll get into based on the title. You know what it is, but a little bit of background. Rick Courtney is the founder of Be More Social, an award-winning social media marketing and communications agency. An entrepreneur by trade, knowing everything there is to know about marketing and building a business online. Today, he has successfully set up franchises across the country as he aims to help the 1% of 5.9 million businesses in the UK. In a couple of years, he seeks to take Be More Social globally. In addition to this, Rick is the CEO of Be More Group, which covers industries from health and fitness, weight loss, business growth, and creativity, a true reflection of Rick himself. And with that, Rick, welcome to the show. Wow. Thank you very much. Do you know when that's actually read out loud? It's just, is that me? Is that what is, are you talking about me? It's so difficult to listen to sometimes. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. That is all you, a hundred percent. Um, so I'm curious, you know, in the, this world of social media, it feels so new sometimes. And, you know, there's not a lot of people, um, who have the level of experience you have. So talk to us about your, your journey so far. How did you get into this world of social media marketing? Oh, an amazing question. I am a, a traditional marketer by trade. So I, I got into the marketing industry before even the Apple Mac computer, before the internet. And due to my love of how a very strong headline can affect a buyer mindset, it used to stop me in my tracks and pick a magazine up off the shelf and purchase it. Now magazines really don't get sold anymore in that way. Um, so move forward many, many years and the internet was introduced and you know, I always used to use those free serve discs that made very squealy noises when we played with the internet for a little bit. It used to take 20 minutes to send a one meg file. We used floppy disks. You know, some of you guys will not remember that world, but I do. And my frustrating entrepreneurial endeavors always cost me a small fortune. It was thousands of pounds to be heard in a newspaper or a local magazine. Um, so I wasn't fortunate. I didn't grow up in a fortunate sort of environment. So my entrepreneurial uh, endeavors was quashed. Then comes Mark Zuckerberg in a BBC over here in the uh, British Broadcasting Communications uh, interview. And he says, I want to connect the world and for free. And I thought it takes somebody like that as brave and as bold as that. And I believe him. I think he can. So if I can sort of combine my traditional background of great words, being able to touch somebody with words and imagery, with the free aspect of this social digital broadcast, I think I've got something here. Uh, and I've kind of been in it ever since. And, and combining 
traditional training and this digital world seems to make a pretty formidable formula. Oh, yes, for sure. There's a lot in social media and digital marketing that is rested on the foundations of traditional marketing, which it just works and then add in the community element. It's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about how you work with your clients today. What are some of the things that, you know, you're seeing? How do you approach building a social media strategy in 2022? It's a partnership. Um, we have grown through experiencing many, many, many failures. Okay. It's my kind of attitude to fail fast so that we can not dwell over what, what has just happened and, and fix it quickly. Uh, and as soon as I got into this social media world, I realized people need educating into how to use it. At that moment, nobody was interested. They wanted to do it for your service. They didn't want any part of getting their fingers dirty. Um, so I was a typical agency for a long period of time but very quickly realized that actually there's things that are working against us and we're not appeasing those algorithms. By posting consistently is great. However, it's only a small part. What we have to do is partner with our clients, educate them on how to outreach, purposeful outreach, purposeful engagement, which then switches people on to understanding that this brand exists. So let's like, comment, follow, share their content because they resonate with us. And the algorithm circle, if you like, is then complete and you start seeing fruits of labor. So our strategy for success is to work very, very closely with the client, ensure that they understand that they have a role to play in it as well. We create content that they have no capabilities of doing, but as well at the same time, ensuring that we have a 90 day plan and a 90 day structure, all dependent upon goals. Now, when people talk to us about a goal being more likes, comments and shares, we cringe a little bit because we can make that happen by educating you how to use outreach effectively. What I want somebody to do is to take their business seriously and saying, I want more customers. I want more opportunities and more leads. And then we can start having a true return on investment for our efforts and the money that people invest with us. I love that you said really taking the social media seriously as a business owner, because there are different metrics that we look for. Uh, to see if what we're doing on social media is successful. It's not really all fun and games at the end of the day. No. We're trying to, we're trying to run a business here. Yeah. So on that note, you know, outside of likes and comments and shares, you know, what are some of the metrics that you're looking for and how are you helping business owners convert, you know, a social media follower into paying customer or client? That's a really good question. So we have well, hundreds of different formulas, really. So, that, so the metrics that we measure is leads, opportunities. I have now even in, enlisted a sales expert to come in on board with this whole journey because social media does work. I, you know, regardless of what anybody feels out there right now, it will feed you an opportunity. The only people that are going to mess it up is probably you at the other end if you're not particularly great at closing. Nobody likes asking for money. Nobody likes asking that question. So when should we get started then? You know, we were a little bit fearful of that. Um, so that's where it lets everything down, uh, if, if I'm honest with you. It's not social media as such. It's the, the fear people have when they start asking the money question, you know, and, and, and that's, I think, where people are actually missing out on an awful lot of business right now, not necessarily social media. But one of the metrics that we do genuinely measure here is, um, how many, again, LinkedIn, for example, how many people do you outreach to? 
to how many people accept that connection request. Once you've accepted that connection request, how many follow-ups are you doing? How many telephone calls are you having as a direct consequence? And once we start feeding this information in, because we have a saying here, numbers don't lie. So if all of a sudden there is a disconnect in the numbers, we know at what point in this strategy is broken so that we can address it. Oh yes. Numbers do not lie. I love that. Like, how is this actually making you money? Okay. Speaking of, we got to talk about Lush because I, this isn't the first time that they've quote unquote boycotted social media. And as someone who helps business owners run their social platforms and their, in their strategies, to me, it feels like a very odd choice, mm-hmm. um, especially the amount of PR it's gotten. But for those people who are listening, give us the backstory. Like what is Lush doing? What is up? I think they're playing a game, if I'm honest with you. Um, I think, you know, by coming off the socials is, is foolish because it's the way in which we connect with people and connect with brands and warm to them as well. Okay. Now, if they're this, if they feel that they're affecting people's mindset, which is why they say that we're, we're coming off this brand, why don't you be the figurehead of change? You know, let's not talk about how this is, um, smells nicer than anything else. It, it, it's, it's fresh. It's beautiful. Why don't you become that beacon for change? And rather than ignore it, teach people how to use it, you know, and if you are going to come off the system and the platforms, you need to completely ditch your influencer program because we're not following Lush. We're actually following those influencers that you're in, uh, sort of employing to talk about your product and engage with you. You know, so I think it's slightly disconnected their their message because you know from my research there still are a lot of influencers out there that have been employed by Lush potentially to talk about Lush, which means they're not off social altogether. Yeah, it kind of feels like a PR move. Mm-hmm. Um, at a moment in time where, you know, distrust in platforms like Facebook is growing, you know, people are recognizing the signs of social media burnout and consumers are, you know, starting to track how much time they're spending on the apps. And so it does kind of feel a little bit like a PR move, but it feels odd for the company because they do have this almost cult-like following from the people who love Lush, like like going into the stores. They like the experience of it. So it does feel odd. What do you think will be the repercussions of this decision that they've made? I think as well, we've got like at the moment, particularly in the UK, the, the retail industry is struggling a great deal because of COVID and the impact. Um, the, the shops are getting boarded up. The town centers are not like a an inviting environment to be in right now. So to turn off your digital presence when that experience isn't a warm and welcoming one is is foolish. You know, you should be making your digital experience as rewarding as possible and coax people to come through your doors. There is there is no shortage of people still out there using social media and from what I've seen and my experience, probably more in a much more savvier way now. You know, people are spending less time in it, but are being rewarded by the time that they spend in it because they're learning new things about other opportunities and potentials like lush competition, maybe, you know, and if they're not inside that space, I do feel they'll lose a bit of a stronghold. Yeah. Okay. So if you were luscious competition right now 
And with the rise of platforms like TikTok and subsequently placements like Instagram Reels or YouTube Shorts, what are you doing right now as Luscious Competition to really kind of collect up those potential customers? Mm. I'd be taking my lead from people like Burger King that look out for specific hashtags when people are talking or complaining or, or bigging up McDonald's or KFC or something like that. And I'd be engaging directly, even one-to-one. I'd have a community manager really engaging and giving people credibility, kudos for, for being interested in that environment and the environmental side of things, especially when it comes to, you know, uh, cosmetics uh, as well. So again, slowly but surely building up a very strong presence and, and making sure that it's my profiles that people are seeing on a regular basis. Those algorithms will look after those people and continually deliver that content. And slowly but surely, the psychology of people like things easier. If Lush isn't here, then unfortunately I'm not seeing them and I'm seeing, you know, something else, hush or whatever it might be. They're the people that I want to be doing business with. That is so true. And I do feel like there's um, like a resurgence of the potential for virality right now that they're really missing out on. When I think about, you know, how someone creates a TikTok video and suddenly it's like, you know, someone's texting it or sharing it on Facebook. And the Lush products are so suited for that. You know, like you take a bath bomb and now suddenly your bathtub's pink and glittery. Like that feels perfect for social media. And there's a huge gap. There, isn't it? Straight away. You know, it's like my daughter is, is TikTok crazy, you know, and listen, I can only tell, I, I can only speak from experience. Okay. And my experience three months ago was I had to buy bath bombs weekly because they had to drop them in the bath and, and all of a sudden they changed the color of the water. There's no coincidence that it's not actually, I'm not buying them anymore because this kind of information isn't about, you know, that we're not broadcasting content. Maybe it might be just a very small sign, but I, I, it's funny people asking me about Lush on a regular basis. You're right. I have not bought my daughter a bath bomb for six to eight weeks. Wow. That really does say something as well, especially when, you know, Gen Z, this up and coming generation is going to impact so many of the trends and what's popular and, you know, what are people buying? I even find myself paying attention. My, my younger sister is, uh, 17 and she told me my glasses looked cool the other day. I am never changing my glasses ever again because of that influence that she had on me. And so I can imagine the influence that this up and coming generation will have as they have more tools available to them to create content, as they have more places where they can go to build community, to not have your company participating that in that is a huge detriment to your business. A huge detriment to your business. And this is what I don't think they're looking at. They're looking at the now. They're not looking at the bigger picture. Five, 10 years time. Do you still want to be here? relevant and present in a market space. And if that is so, then I think looking after the now isn't necessarily the route to go. What the strategy ought to have been is educating people how to use social. If you want them to spend less time with you, post less. Not not at all, just post less. If you want people to think of you more as a community, invest the money instead of adverts, invest the money in community management so that you are enriching your community and making sure that they're okay by asking the question, are you okay? What do you need? Where do you see Lush going in the future? What do you want to see in our shelves? And those community managers become a fundamental part of 
the change that might need to happen in social right now to ensure that it is a much better community uh, and, and, I don't know, an engaging space. Yeah, 100% agree. I see Duolingo doing this right now on TikTok. I keep talking about TikTok because I'm like deep dived into studying it as a marketer and I find it fascinating. But they're joining these community conversations. They're speaking the language of TikTok, which is its own thing. They're joining these community conversations. They're not necessarily producing a ton of content, but they're being present in such a way that people feel like they are understood, they're heard, they're listened to and they're communicated with in a way that makes sense for them. Yeah. So that. with that in mind, I'm so curious where you see, you know, just the future of social media going in the next two to three years. What changes should business owners look out for and expect? I think a lot of what I've spoke about in this in, in this sort of podcast is, is has been all about community management. And, and look, we've been speaking about this for 10 years. Uh, you know, a very, very long time and not enough people are doing so. You know, I think the reason why social media or people deem it to be so wrong for people is because, yes, there are algorithms in play. And what people don't realize is they're educating the algorithms. So if you've been received stuff that you don't really want to see, maybe you're giving it too much dwell time. You're looking at something thinking, ah, I'm, I'm sick of seeing this in my news feed. Three seconds or more an indicator of interest as far as a computer-generated algorithm is concerned. So, of course, you're going to get it again and again and again. What we need to do is take back control of our socials and engage more with people that we want to see. And I feel that that might be something that is catching on now uh, and, and they might be adopting it. That's certainly our message uh, right at this moment in time. But I'm very, very interested in seeing how this metaverse starts to sort of impact uh you know as we see ben francis as we see other from gymshark and other bigger companies engage inside that space and have community meetups uh, and engage in a, in a really engaging way i think i, I don't see how how it's going to work out or where it's going because i feel that it's very um clicky uh, much like I like Clubhouse, but much like Clubhouse got, it was very, very clicky, you know, and, and if you was in the room watching and listening, you wasn't invited to a stage and you didn't feel worthy enough. And it was ad hoc. You know, I think the metaverse might be a little bit like that and isolate certain people. But whereas the power of social still remains, it can potentially be very much all inclusive if you're brave enough to go out there, reach out and engage. And I still think it's got a very strong it's still got lots of ways in which we can use that uh, sort of community management aspect of social. Oh, agreed. Especially the clubhouse clickiness. I experienced that myself and was like, I don't really like it here. No. <laughs> it didn't really, no. I don't know. It didn't really vibe with me. And I definitely see the potential for the meta verse going that way as well. So thank you for pointing that out. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens, but still the power is in the community, which I love. Um, okay, let us know. I know you have a free webinar for us. So for those people who are listening and they want to learn more about your philosophies, where do they go to find that and how and what what can they expect? Well, I, I think like there'll be a, sh a link in, in the show notes, I'm sure. But it's it's uh, yes. bemosocial.co.uk forward slash five fundamentals. Uh, and what they are, they are my five principles on how to make social media actually work. And you'll find in there, there's not actually... A lot of talk about social there's a lot of talk about in the first instance understanding your goals what are you doing it for and why 
um, and then they're signing different platforms for achieving those goals. The next part is all about trying to identify a value proposition. Because again, if nobody really cares about you, um, they only care about themselves and what they're going to get from this experience. And it's not to say that they're selfish. It's more about like we're really busy people. We've got microseconds to understand what it is that you've got to tell me. So make sure it's really, really clear. How do you deliver that value proposition? This is a very great value proposition delivered by you in, the, in this podcast. And again, we'll put you up on that pedestal as expert and leader in your field. After that is social proof, social listening, and there's all sorts. I don't want to give it all away, but it's all in the, in, in the webinar. There's lots for you to take away. And I'll definitely put that link in the show notes, onlinedrea.com slash 188. Uh, where else can people hang out with you online? I think we've got, uh, well, I've got my own website, which is rickcourtney.com. Um, uh, you go there, find out a little bit more about me, my principles, and as well, I am mainly hang out on LinkedIn. Uh, so again, look for my name, Rick, spelled R-I-K, Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y, and you will find me. I'm happy to connect with anybody. Perfect. And I'll put those links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Rick, for coming on the show. This was such a great conversation. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave us a five-star review. It helps keep us in the top 100 marketing charts on Apple Podcasts. We are in the top in the US, Canada, UK, and Australia. And it's because of your support. So thank you so much for that. Next week, we're talking all about the top reasons you're not seeing growth on social media. And this is the biggest question that we get when people DM us, I'm not growing. My followers and my engagement has stalled. I'm going to give you some tips on how to jumpstart, especially tips that work this year in 2022. I'll see you next week for that episode. Bye for now.